You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 337. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, my friends. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is bookkeeping software for creatives and small business owners that I have loved using since I'm pretty sure it's 2012. So I'm going on about eight years now. It is so wonderful through and through. I love it so much and I hope you try it as well. If you are looking for bookkeeping software, you want to love as much as whatever it is that you do for your business. I myself am recommending this for the inner voice facilitators if they don't already have a bookkeeping system to try it out for that 30 free days and see if they love it as much as I do. And I'd recommend the same for you and whatever your business happens to be. I have worked with them for so long on the customer service side, on the sales team side, through and through the entire company is such a delight to work with and they have created such an excellent, truly excellent product. I am so happy to recommend it to you and see if you like it as much as I do. Head over to freshbooks.com slash lively to try it out yourself and see if you like it too. Now let's move on. Guys, it's been two weeks. I haven't talked to you in a while. Hi, how you doing? Hanging in there? I know things here in Honolulu are opening back up more and more slowly, but surely the beaches are getting quite crowded and now I'm realizing, oh yeah, Waikiki is not always that empty as it's been the last few months. I've actually also peeked at the calendar an actual calendar and realized it's been two months. I've been here for quite a while. So I wanted to fill you guys in. I know that I kind of dropped the show. There was nothing new to share in terms of the last few weeks. There's been a lot of deep introspection and releasing and allowing and realizing happening within myself about myself and the nature of reality. And I just allowed that to happen. So I have no agenda other than to fill you guys in on everything that's happening for me personally and just chat with you guys. Just check in. Let's talk. Let's hang out. This is such an interesting time for so many of us. And wherever you are, however things are going for you, I hope you're doing the best you can to check into your intuition about what this time is for you right now. How are you able to best use it in the alignment to your you know, consciousness? alongside having a healthy dose of compassion for your mind as it's had to adjust to everything that's been happening lately. So here over in Honolulu, like I said, I've been here for two months. God bless Dory. Thank you. She's at Bright Blue Moment on Instagram if you want to go find her over there. She is actually a Flow with Intention member who came to C-School in Sydney. And actually, she actually came to my Sydney apartment now that I think about it. Way back when I, in 2018, had the C-School event there myself. And then I got invited over to her beautiful, beautiful home here in Honolulu years ago. And as I flowed into Hawaii a handful of times, I would hang out with her, stay at her guest house for a little bit. And when COVID happened... She graciously opened her doors to have me be able to stay here. Little did we know how long this would actually be. And it's been such a joy and a delight to be able to, you know, spend so much time with her, go on so many walks and actually have kind of this independence within a quarantine. So I wasn't totally on my own, like in total isolation, like I could have been if I'd stayed in Bali or done something different. But I've had my little quarantine here to be able to hang out and go on walks with her throughout this experience, but also had a lot of time to myself too. 
And as a thank you, if you're interested in following on Instagram, I'm actually decorating her guest house, what I'm calling my Hawaii nest. It's definitely not my property in any sense, but this guest house has kind of been my little landing pad here in Honolulu. And I just thought it'd be fun as a thank you to offer since she was graciously open to decorate it for her. And it's a really cute place already. So it's a pretty easy project, but swapping out some dining chairs, a new rug, some accessories and art and making it a really beautiful and just gracious place to be. It's already awesome, but it'll be fun to be able to decorate a place and in a state or in a place in the world that I actually always dreamed of having an Airbnb, which is Hawaii. So even though that hasn't happened in my own personal like property, this is actually an opportunity for me to decorate, which I love. So if you wanna see the updates on that and watch me buy shell pillows and <laughs> all these other things that I'm having fun with, you can find that over at Jess C as in Cookie Lively. And so that's kind of something that's been happening. But along with all of that, this whole COVID period for me has been a deep unraveling around the idea of my mind releasing its presumptions and its identity around beauty, photography, selfies. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen me go through the last few months learning how to use a camera with my inner being rather than my mind. And then my mind being amazed at the results that I actually see reflected back in the camera and in the photos as I do that. So that's been something that was interesting and also unraveling this persona of Jess Lively that didn't like the beach or getting her hair wet. That was always something that I had stuck to as a part of my identity or just not identity, but just was a part of myself, my preferences. And those have completely flipped. I think it's kind of funny that the COVID times with everything being closed, like really brought my awareness, even as I've been in Hawaii in the past, not usually going into the beach. I know that's crazy to a lot of people that love the beach and love swimming in the ocean. I just was never really frequently exposed to that. And so I had these predispositions pretty arbitrarily saying that I didn't like that and I didn't want to do that. But as that became the thing that I was still allowed to do along with walking on nature walks and so forth, it became a deep, deep joy. So I am so thankful that one of the things that I got kind of redirected to was the time to do inner voice facilitator training, which by the way, did end two weeks ago. Congratulations to the inner voice facilitator coaches. All 30 early grads are so wonderful. If you want to go work with one and do an inner voice session or a beanbag releasing session, you can go over to jesslively.com slash find a facilitator and you can work with whoever your intuition speaks to you to work with. As we speak, we are also working on a new website. I don't think it'll be ready by the time this episode airs, but I guess by next week's episode, we'll have that new design up and running. It is gorgeous. Thank you, Jenna from Sunday Studio. She's been working on it along during the COVID times and it is just so pretty. So hopefully that will be ready for you guys to view shortly. Oh, one last other thing about the facilitators. Thank you guys for sending Michaela, our team manager here at Team Lively the thank you gift. You sent her a little gift and it was so cute and kind of you, totally unrequested by myself, but it was just so sweet and such a great indication of the kindness of the people that are in the group and the facilitators themselves. So thank you guys for doing that. That was truly special. Michaela really appreciated it and I appreciate it just knowing how thoughtful that is. That is so sweet. So, okay. <sighs> Jess, the persona and COVID and what is the consciousness been doing? It's been taking me into myself more and more and more. And I've realized as I've talked with Dory, she coined the term and I love it, area-specific enlightenment. 
Now, what that is, is like as we talk about going beyond the mind and integrating and realizing and so forth, there's so many different facets and ways to kind of look at that, at least from a mental perspective. But as I'm living through experience and deepening into myself, what I'm seeing is, and I see it in myself and in people that I've worked with. So I can share this in hopes that it's useful for you to reflect on as well in your own life and just share the journey with you as we go through this realization awakening process together. So... Abraham talks about Abraham Hicks, for those that have listened to the earlier seasons of the show and know my love for Abraham and the channel that Esther Hicks has been doing for many, many decades at this point. They talk about the contrast as step one, and then step two is the source answer. So your inner being creates the result of whatever your contrast has preferred. So whatever you want through the contrast of what you see, you decide if there's war, you want peace. If you are poor, you want to have money, whatever the thing is, if you are ready to have a child, that's a preference or contrast, so you want to have that next thing. Source answers is step two, which is your inner being, your inner voice answering and providing that. But then step three is the mind aligning with the energy, the frequency of that thing as though you already had it. They go on to step four and step five, four being really good at staying in alignment and that step three-ness, you're really good at staying there most of the time. And step five they talk about is when you're not fussed when you're back at step one, when you're back into the contrast, when you're back into a place where you're not getting what you want, but you're not fussed by it. You're not really actually that aggravated by being back in contrast. They say that's step five. That's like their mastery step. Well, that's what I'm calling area-specific enlightenment. And that's just, an, it does not matter. The point of it is not to remember that title, but it's just when I was listening to it, all of a sudden I had this huge aha. I've heard them say that for four years now. However, what it hit me so, so clearly was I've over time had different areas of my life reach step five. And I've noticed that most of my clients that I've worked with over the last decade also have area-specific alignment or area-specific enlightenment, however you want to look at it. So yeah, some people will backflip into enlightenment like Eckhart Tolle in an overnight want to kill yourself and then you get enlightened way. (laughs) He couldn't have prepared himself for that or expected that to happen. It just occurred. But most of us are stepping into this in a more gradual process. And so as I'm watching this in my own life and reflecting on it and then seeing the clients I've worked with, I'm like, oh my goodness. So many of us have certain areas of our lives where we're at that step five that Abraham talks about or you could call an integrated alignment where we no longer are seeking the results of the world to qualify why we feel a certain way. So for me, the first one that I got that area-specific alignment to, let's call it that, area-specific alignment. Enlightenment just feels a bit broad and hazy and confusing. Like what really is that? But if you can say you've got a really steady almost unconditional alignment, no matter what the circumstances are showing, you're going to just generally speaking be aligned. Yes, you might see the contrast to that part of your life. Like let's say for me, I have career alignment, area specific alignment and career. So when I took the break last year for the show for however many months, four to eight months, I don't even know. But when I took that big, big hiatus break from the show, that was area specific alignment. I did not fuss about that, but I did watch the mind say, you can't just drop the show. Like that's like, and not tell anyone when you're coming back or why you're leaving or anything and then just pop back in later. You can't just drop the microphone and not explain yourself. That thought, 
I don't even know if it directly crossed my mind, but obviously it could have because that's a very common type of thought many people would have, especially if they didn't have area-specific enlightenment or alignment in that area of your life. So if your mind focuses and fixates on career a lot, imagine dropping the work, not telling anyone why you're going, what's happening or how long you're gonna be gone, but just trusting that when you wanna come back, you'll come back and you're not gonna worry about the money thing, you're just gonna see what happens and you're trusting, trusting, trusting. That's what I did and I watched the mind have some level of like, really, you're gonna do that? <laughs> but it was, so there's like, the mind had some level of step oneness. It could see the contrast, but I didn't feel like doing the show. I was releasing massive amounts of bean bags. I was going to Australia to see about a guy that didn't end up working out, but I just did not wanna have to explain my life or the releasing or the process and that step and that part of my time with you guys. And I was fine with that. I didn't worry about it. But the mind, of course, had no answers. There was uncertainty. And for many other people that did not have area-specific enlightenment or alignment in that area, that would be a very scary series of steps to take. But it wasn't that difficult for my mind because my mind wasn't in control in that area of my life. My inner being was guiding that area of my life. So there was very little, if any, suffering mentally in that period about the fact that I did that. Of course, I was raising tons of beanbags on the subject of relationship, on the other hand, which of course was an area where I was not in step five, as Abraham calls it. So I was like, oh, when you are feeling, no matter what happens, you know you're going to be fine in an area of your life. I even remember Erica Gellerman, who's been on the show a few seasons ago. She's a friend of mine. You guys have heard me talk with her. Love her so much. I remember when we were both staying in London and she was living in London. She's now here in Maui. But when she was there... She has this amazing husband named Jordan, and they are so solid and so wonderful. But I remember her telling me her previous like area her mind fixated on was work, but she was very step five area-specific alignment in relationship. And we realized in our conversations together that both of us at the deepest level, so like the mind was not interfering with our core awareness, our core connection to our inner being for me and career that I was going to be fine no matter what. I just trust that like worst case, I don't know, I become a librarian or I get a job. Like I don't worry. I know. And also having been self-employed my whole career, it wasn't like I was always that bold. My entire career, however, the first few years going through the recession in 08, right after graduating in 07 and all that stuff, seeing that everything did eventually work out no matter what happened or maybe for you in COVID, if there's something that's going on then you're like, you know what, after this, when you see some area of your life that you previously struggled with, but you get through this, you're going to be like, no matter what happens, I can go through a global pandemic and I'm still okay. Those types of moments are such blessings because they show you that no matter what, you can get through things. And even if it's not an ideal scenario that you go through, like the recession in 08 with my jewelry company at the time or whatever's happening for you in your life in COVID, when we get through those experiences and we find out that no matter what happens, we get through it, there's this solidification of like trust and faith and confidence that comes from beyond the mind in it is allowing itself to be confident amidst the uncertainty. Because it's already gone through something difficult, it can do it again and it knows it'll be fine. That kind of feeling Erica had in relationship and I had in career. So those 
areas are strong, but then our minds would then fixate and try to get its energy fix outside of itself in a different area that wasn't in total alignment yet. So a way of thinking about this is imagining yourself as like sitting in the center of like your bedroom on your bed or wherever you are in the middle of your bedroom and you have like power cords going off in all the different directions to the different outlets in your room. And so you're like sitting there in the center, like some lamp or some like power sourced thing that has all of these plugs and you put all the outlets, they have these extension cords going out to all the power plugs. So maybe you have some going to your family, you have some going to your community and your PTA, and you've got some cords going to your career, you've got some going to your social media platform. You've got some going to your company, you have some going to your partner or lack of partner in that area, et cetera. You have all these different ways that the ego persona that you think of yourself as gets energy. And eventually, as you area-specific enlighten, you pull out the plug from that wall outlet. You no longer need your energy source outside of yourself to come from that. So you no longer need the validation of that area to come from outside of you. You don't need the power to flow from this outside source, whether it's a relationship or a partner or your children or your parents or your career, your money, whatever it is, you get to this like self-sufficiency, which is really just the trust sufficiency of your intuition inner being to guide you no matter what. So your ego stops looking outside itself in order to validate. Or maybe it's on your body and how you look or whatever it might be. And the mind egoic sense looks for these outside sources, these outside power outlets to give itself its electricity. It's looking for its fix outside itself. But as you integrate that part of your life, it's like you unplug the outlet from that part of your life. And you're like, you know what? I've got that inside. I can feel that in me no matter what. And so then you go to the next area and you go, you know what? I don't need to worry. I don't need to define myself by the external factors. I'm going to be fine no matter what. And then you just trust and you unplug from the outside. Well, when you do those, those are all getting to that step five, that unconditional alignment, no matter what. For me, I had the career one already sorted, so that was unplugged for me. For many people, that's a source where people are still looking for the power outside themselves. They're looking for that money source and income and revenue outside themselves. That doesn't mean, of course, that I don't have revenue and income. Of course, I have abundance. That flows naturally, but it's not flowing because I'm seeking it. It's flowing because I know it shall be there because it always has been and because I know and trust that my own consciousness is serving me in that area. So even when I took the big break last year, it got to this point financially where I had a nice savings. So I wasn't super stressed in generally speaking, but I ideally didn't want to have to use the savings. I wasn't against using it, but I wasn't desiring to use the savings. So I was kind of neutral to it, but I felt good knowing it was there. And I had a really great cushion of cash in the business bank account. And over the months, as things kept going, I started to notice in curious trust, like what will happen if I just keep just doing a few client sessions when I feel like doing them, but by no means, you know, massive amounts of them, but by no means like tons of money, like the business when I was doing it in a more active way with like the podcast sponsorships and the online classes and so forth. So it's very curious, like what would happen when I really trusted blindly in terms of the mind had no idea it was coming next, no idea when I'd come back, but knowing I'd be okay and supported no matter what. What I found was that as the bank account for the business checking specifically got lower and lower, 
I didn't worry in the mind because I was in that area specific enlightenment. So I wasn't seeking the outside outlet power going, oh no, now I got to ch- plug it in. Now I got to go try an effort and mentally do something. I was still trusting and allowing the flow to be natural and through me rather than efforted by myself. And I didn't, you know, force myself. I trusted, trusted, trusted. And what I watched was that other streams and revenues through some properties and so forth started to come in. And right as that business account was like getting lower, it was still supporting the team, but it wasn't supporting my expenses in lifestyle. At that lower part, what was interesting is that other streams supported my lifestyle and my expenses. So it was so interesting as I trusted, trusted, trusted. And I was like, what's going to happen? It didn't hit rock bottom. It didn't hit going into the savings. It just started coming in other streams, which my mind had no idea what happened. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was just trusting it would be fine. And it was. I couldn't have prepared or expected that, but that's what occurred. And then the idea and inspiration for the collective came back through. So like doing that on the show, coming back to the show came through and then things kept going and then the collective collective started and that started IVFT. So like, and then it all just swung back up. So it's like a trapeze artist or like a bird. A bird doesn't crash into the ground, but sometimes it likes to swoop. And I'm so thankful that I did take that time to be with myself for that period of time. It was a beautiful gift. It turned into inner voice facilitator training, basically, because of the sessions I did became the process I now teach in the class. It's just an incredible experience. I'm lighter and more joyful. And I took a break or a sabbatical. It felt like I wasn't working. Even though I was doing the sessions, I was doing them for fun, not for the fear of the money. So that's where I was unplugged. I was within and self-contained and trusting. Beautiful experience. So that's what it's like when you don't have these power outlets plugged into the external sources. Of course, the money and abundance flowed from the outside into my experience, and then it flows from me out into the experience of others as I, you know, purchase things or invest in the team or do other things like building the foundation, et cetera. For me, I have this beautiful abundance that I know I receive, that I receive through the alignment with myself and my inner being, not the fear of my mind seeking it in other people. So the other one that was another great example and a lot of people have been asking questions about was eating issues I had for nine years. So from about 15 or so until 24, I had eating obsession. I was obsessed with what I ate and the calories I counted and how much I weighed for nine years of my life, from 15 years old to 24 years old. And I stopped that one. I unplugged that one at 24. I did not want to get to a decade of my life. It was exhausting. I thought about it more than anything else on the planet what I ate, how much I ate, what I weighed, how I looked was the number one obsessive thought by my mind. So I was completely plugged in in that area of my life for nine years, probably more than that, but really aggressively seeking power and energy outside of myself based on the weight on the scale, the calories that I consumed, and what I felt about what I looked like and how I thought other people would view my body based on that. So that one I unplugged after nine years. I said, I am over that up and down, constant contrast and vibrating at not having the peace that I thought I would feel. So basically, if I was Abrahamically breaking it down, step one was I went away. I think back then I was obsessed with the weight, 125. I have no idea, by the way, what I weigh now. I don't even think in terms of weight now. I think it's now silly to think about that because every body is so different and like the weight on a different heighted framed body, it doesn't even, it's irrelevant what the number on a scale is. It's about how you feel and like the 
and the balance of that weight distributed on a on a body has nothing to do with an actual scale. But at the time, I was so mental. Of course, my mind would break it down to something that was mental, like a number, not a feeling and not a beauty, because those are things that are appreciated by the consciousness we are, not the mind that we observe inside ourselves. But taking that power back into myself and saying, you know what? I wanted peace. That was number one thing I wanted and why I thought I needed to weigh that amount. And no matter whether I was 20 pounds under that weight or 20 pounds over that weight, I was never peaceful in those nine years. And I fluctuated that 40 pounds. I was like 20 pounds under that for half the time. And then about 20 or 25 pounds over that weight the other half of that time, binge eating. So I was obsessive and very unhappy (laughs) at all of the different weights because I was never peaceful. I was either afraid that I would gain weight when I was underweight, and then I was afraid I'd never lose weight when I was overweight. So I was never peaceful. Actually staying balanced in the middle point that I mentally wanted to weigh was completely like trying to walk on a tightrope. That's how the mind felt because it was messing up the natural pace of my own body so severely. And it was not paying attention to my internal cues. It was totally ignoring my intuition in terms of hunger and food choices and et cetera. It was exhausting and very unproductive and very unuseful. But I eventually got to the point where I realized why I wanted all of that was for the feeling of peace. And I was never peaceful. I actually even counted At that 24 years, if I continue to gain and lose the same 10 pounds the rest of my life as much as I had frequented that nine years, I would gain and lose the same 10 pounds another 80 times in my lifetime, never being peaceful the entire time. So I could no longer take my mind seriously. (laughs) The consciousness awareness of me or even my own mind couldn't take its own story seriously anymore. I was like, after nine years, you would think that you would have ego gotten this figured out. And after nine years, I was never peaceful. And the whole reason my mind was selling me on this whole weight thing was for peace. When you're that specific weight, you'll be peaceful and you'll be happy and perfect and wonderful. So I just said, screw it. I was never peaceful in the whole nine years and very unsuccessful if I looked at the track record of what it had created to myself. So I said, I want the peace no matter what. And I even remember my mom very plainly asking me, not in a weird, like judgmental way, but just a pragmatic, normal human logic way. Like, well, if you're not going to try to lose weight, what if you just gain more weight? And I was on the heavier side of the scale at that time when I decided to give up. I wasn't underweight at that point. That was during the binge eating years. And I said, you know what? Even if that's true, I would rather be peaceful than a specific weight because even when I was at that weight, I wasn't peaceful. So I was like, well, I'd rather have peace because that's the whole reason I want it in the first place. And even if I get bigger, I'll also have peace where I don't right now. So as I did that, I started to equalize. I unplugged from my mind's obsession with getting this power source outside of itself, outside of my intuition, basically. And as I did, I paid attention to when I wanted to eat from my intuition and what it wanted to eat until it was satisfied. Satisfaction came from my intuition, not from my ego. And I started to eat naturally for the first time in almost a decade. And as I did, the body found a body weight that was super natural for itself. And for a long time, I think it kind of really was at that middle point that I'd always previously tried to get to very unsuccessfully. Oh, this is also during the same time in my life where I was plugged into marathons and exercise was a big part of that. And so the same thing was true for exercise and running. I would have such a mental, terrible time running in perfect 
10 minute mile pace for these marathons. And it was just this exhaustion of my mind trying to control. My mind, I can say guys, like is a very strong mind, but I've also firsthand seen when you have a very strong mind, A, I have tons of compassion for people that do as well, because it's a gift in some cases, but it also is crippling in most cases. It's nice in some ways, you might have a large vocabulary or be able to, I don't know, write a report in a very coherent way or whatever that might be. But when you get out of your head, or what I've found is whenever I get my mind out of a subject, the natural nature of myself and my inner being intuition results are far easier and far broader and bigger than my mind ever could have done on its own or even imagined was possible. So I can really relate to my mind being plugged into all these things, but also unplugging them and seeing that the results became so natural so easily that I could not have even imagined it could be this easy for me. So unplugged, unplugged from the work thing, unplugged from the body thing, unplugged from the exercise thing. Then I unplugged as I traveled the relationship thing. I unplugged from that whole desire from my ego to have the family and the babies and do the American dream thing when I was in my early 30s, unplugged from that, listened to my intuition on that. Then I unplugged as I traveled the world, unplugged from the persona of my family in many ways. I've unplugged from so many things and COVID left me with the awareness of the one that my mind had then basically redirected all of its energy to. So after it unplugged from all these different things, it found, it made like an entire power cord outlet into the relationship area. It was like, My mind allowed me to unplug over the series of my life from all these different outlets. And so I'm self-contained, not seeking the external power source from other things. Of course, we'll see what happens. I'll just have to be an observation and compassion for the mind if it tries to find or concoct something new. But this like last few years, as you guys obviously know, the relationship piece was like the power outlet that was the thing that my mind was seeking for. So it's like, I can unplug and be self-contained in every possible area, but it told this whole big story about how I needed the partner and the partner was going to basically provide the balance of all that other stuff from outside itself. It's like, I can find this all inside myself, but the partner one and the family one, that's got to come with the partner and the family. That'll be the thing that I plug into next probably. And then who knows what's after that. But that was what I was left with. And during COVID, it was very confronting to go, okay, here you are in a time where meeting people is very rare, (laughs) almost non-existent, and I wasn't going to seek either. So I'd already unplugged from the idea that I needed to go find my partner. That was one that just settled in finally after so many beanbag releasings and so much releasing and so much awareness in the last few months. That one seeking the partner was self-contained. I unplugged that. But then the idea of still wanting the partner is getting the energy source from there. The desire for that was still like wanting the partner to find me, but very step one-ish, like not actually in alignment to that being the natural thing that would happen next, not being in the alignment of feeling as though I already had it the way Erica does with her relationship. No matter what happens with Jordan, as much as they have a great relationship, she knows she's going to be fine. I told this whole story that that's the only thing left in my life that I really want. (laughs) So that was, of course, a very itchy, thirsty, step one in the Abraham way of things 
way to be around relationship. But COVID gave me this time to really look at that one. And so it was like, I imagine the mind thinks of it as like taking the power plug, this whole power strip, it's got plugged into that relationship piece and unplugging it and trying to like pull it, but it's like so strong. The mind wants to wire to that outlet so strong. There's like this magnetic pull to that outlet and it's like pulling it back, pulling it back is like this struggle. But pulling that, even that piece, even that seeking into myself to be self-contained and to watch, as I said to Dory, I was like, you know, this whole time I got to slow down so much that I could feel my energy. One way is to look at it like the outlet analogy I just gave, but another way of thinking of it is where is your water balloon leaking? (laughs) So if you imagine your energy field or your bubble, your auric field as a water balloon, where does the energy leak? Where's the water springing out of the balloon? And I could say that COVID allowed me to slow down so much that I could see even the smallest twinges of leaks that before I could just push away or get distracted or find someone new or something new to keep the leak going. But in the slowness of this period, I was able to basically just see Dory every day. That was the person I would talk to most days of the week. And that was about it in real life. And I would go on lots of walks and I'd go to the beach and I'd go swimming and I would have a pretty beautiful, wonderful life. I'm not going to say this has been a hardship at all, but what it was, was challenging for the mind because what it had wanted that power source to come from was being not blocked in a negative way, but just not existent. So it couldn't get its fix. It couldn't get its desire fulfilled in the way that had been looking for for so long and been telling the story of why it needed it. But it's actually been a beautiful time at the same time because that's a place that's not integrated yet. It's not actually like this time my consciousness is trying to torture me, nor was it with my body thing, nor was it with the work thing or the money thing. It's never trying to torture me. It's just showing me where I'm still holding on to effort and control in the mind. And so that has been a very dear gift that was actually very uniquely able to be given to me in this time to be able to get that quiet, that still, that aware to even the little things like going on the walks and watching the mind hope that someone would talk to me on the walk, just like hoping, like maybe maybe he'll find me on the walk and I'll just somehow meet him there. Like, cause that's the only place that I could really go to meet people is just going on these walks. And I wasn't going on the walk actually to find someone, but I could watch and observe the mind on the walk, do the looking, do the desiring, doing the thing, which is what it used to do with the calorie counting, looking at in the mirror and weighing itself on the scale or looking on the working stuff, like how many people are following you or what is the stats on the blog back when I had a blog. Etc. So that kind of outward seeking and then learning how to release that in observation. And then the last thing I'd say that I've been observing a lot and am loving is the idea of disassociating from Jess as a thing. Oh, that's been cool. So as you get into this kind of spiritual work, you hear about I am that I am, I'm awareness, aware of itself, and you start to really look at, you know, observing your moods and your emotions and your emotional beanbags and releasing them. The idea of my own personahood and the personhood of Jess Lively has now become loose enough, open enough as a concept that I can look at 
her. I still can fall into the drama of the mind as it knows itself as Jess Lively, but it's been a huge liberation to go, oh, I don't have to take that aspect of my awareness so seriously or as all that I am. I can be aware of Jess. I don't have to just assign myself as Jess. So when I was younger, if you told me, Jess, you're not, it's, I guess you could say it's the ego or the mind, but instead of saying the mind or the ego, just say the word Jess, like say that, like Jess had this emotion or Jess, I was aware of the Jess character going through this and that, and that kind of distance and space between how I perceive myself as pure awareness aware of the Jess character, having different emotions, having these power outlet, PowerPoint dramas, having the whole story. That is something I've naturally done to go back to that area specific alignment earlier. I can say, and I've said it on the show, if you listen back to any time I talk about the body thing or the work thing, or if I just am talking to in real life, you'll hear me say about those areas my mind will say X, but I just don't even listen to it or I don't care if it thinks that or I will go around it anyway. So there's this ability for my awareness to be aware of what the mind thinks, but not attached to it. Well, that's because it's area specific alignment. Imagine having the whole persona of you where you're just like, oh, of course the mind of Jess would think about the relationship thing and go, oh, I don't have to buy into that. I can watch in compassion that character have this emotion that I'm feeling. The awareness of me is feeling the pain or the emotion that the character Jess is feeling based on her thoughts and her experiences. But I don't have to be only that. I can be aware of that in the fact that I can be aware that that is not all that I am, that I am beyond the character that I'm playing for this 35 years or 95 years, however long this Jess character is played. Yes, I can be aware of the character of Jess. Yes, I can be aware of the thoughts that go through this body and the mind that goes in this experience that's in COVID in 2020. Yes, I can be aware of that. But I existed before this entity, this like perspective and persona of Jess, and I will exist after this body dies. So my awareness continues and my awareness is building to its own awareness. I am that I am. I'm aware that I'm aware. That has been such a gift to go, oh, I don't have to take myself so seriously, which is now kind of like showing me what Eckhart's famous line he says to himself right before he gets enlightened is, I cannot deal with myself any longer. The awareness that he is cannot deal with the persona of Eckhart, which wasn't even his name, I don't believe, at that time, any longer. He couldn't deal with his ego any longer, his self, his persona that had these certain thoughts that were so recursive and devastating to his mind and emotions. He became the awareness of Eckhart or whatever he called himself back then. He was no longer identified as Eckhart or whatever he called himself back then. So being able to go, oh, I don't have to take Jess so seriously. Just like I knew and already had the area-specific alignment around career, I don't have to take my mind seriously around career. I'm going to stop when I feel like stopping, and I'm going to start doing something when I feel like doing it. I don't let my mind live in its rational thoughts or fears or emotions when it comes that area or my body. If it, the mind gets worried, it doesn't cause much of a ripple. It's just kind of something that flashes, but the alignment stays unconditional. And I've even found that for the selfies and so forth, that was this big layer of conditioning and 
persona that was actually kind of tangential to the body subject. Before it was like how much I weighed and whether I was fat or thin. That mind outlet was plugged in and then unplugged. But what I hadn't gotten unplugged was like this whole idea around beauty and being beautiful or not beautiful or photogenic or not being photogenic. And watching that persona release that stigma to herself. I did that by finding unconditional feeling of pretty inside myself. And when I started to just feel pretty, no matter before I looked in the mirror, literally before I looked in the mirror, feeling pretty just because I know what the feeling of pretty is when I feel it in my chest, not from looking at the mirror or my body or someone else that's pretty, just knowing what pretty feels like as a feeling, when I started doing that and then looking in the mirror, it was amazing because my reticular activating system in the brain would then sort for what it was feeling, which was pretty. So it would see pretty. And then I observed the beauty that I could observe, A, enhanced. But I actually think there are subtle shifts that actually may have actually occurred along with that. So it was amazing to see that that whole character and the whole persona feeling not pretty created this not pretty result. And when I just found the unconditional pretty feeling, then the situation shifted, but the power wasn't coming necessarily only from the outcome of that. It was coming initially and first and foremost from the inside, which is what happened when I found the peace and the body weight found its own natural set point. When it was the money in abundance, I feel abundant no matter what. So that's what follows. That's the law of attraction 101. When you feel the things, they come. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. If you feel it, they will come. But being able to sit in the middle of your bedroom, not seeking anything else for power, to feel everything first and foremost through yourself, and then to take action from those feelings rather than seeking, oh, that's been my experience the last few weeks. And I hope this is helpful to you as well to reflect on. Obviously, as I was sharing that, it's hopefully something that your mind can go, oh, and relate to in certain areas that are really natural for you and others where your mind is still plugged in. Is it still plugged into an identity, to a feature or a factor of its egoic place? And just also to say, if you find it liberating too, don't take your persona so seriously. I am so thankful that I've been able to reconnect to that disidentification again from a new place and a point of view that with more awareness, basically. I've heard it said over the years, but I wasn't able to relate to it as clearly in the past as I can now. And now that I'm so much lighter about what I think the Jess character even is, because so many things keep flip-flopping, like I don't like the beach. Now I do like the beach. I didn't like swimming. Now I do like swimming. I didn't think I was photogenic. Now I like taking photos. Like it's just... All these things that I used to say that I did or didn't like have changed so much as I've allowed things to change. And that awareness just has loosened up the whole concept of Jess. So hopefully for you, if you want, you can feel the liberation of just observing the persona in love and compassion as you go through things. But just to go, I am aware of Jess. I'm aware of happiness. I am aware of the sadness I'm feeling. I'm aware of the busyness I'm feeling. I'm aware of the boredom I'm feeling. I'm aware of the Jess that I'm feeling or thinking. To put that in there too, I think is actually a really big liberation, at least for me right now. Earlier me might have found that as a sad or a weird thing to think about. And in that case, don't think about it. If it doesn't feel good yet, don't think that direction. But if in case that's useful and you're just enjoying hearing someone that you might be able to relate to, say the same, I'm here doing it too. And it feels really good. 
So either way, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day. And until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. 